Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Diana Dettinger, best-selling author of the book Modus Vivendi, Your Life, Your Way, as well as international speaker and founder of the Meaning of Life School, where you learn to be you. My mission is to connect you to your innate greatness for a healthier, happier, and more fulfilling life. You can find more about this interview at journeytosuccessradio.com. And my guest today is eBay Agbanyam. And welcome, eBay. I really appreciate you taking time to be with us today. Thank you so much. I'm grateful to be here. Yeah, now eBay and I are co-authors in the book Journey to Success, Volume 2. We, you know, obviously highly recommend that you hop on over to Amazon after this interview and, you know, download it on, on the Kindle or go ahead and purchase it. You know, it's a, it's a comp- compilation book of just 21 amazing inspirational stories. And, you know, that's, it's very important nowadays to keep positive. Um, you know, not only are, you know, eBay and I both, you know, co-authors in this book, but we share a lot of common interests. And one thing that, you know, I think eBay and I could actually talk for days and days and days, you know, together is all about our interest in people in behavior and what make people tick. I mean, I think we're we're sort of like instead of the tech geeks, we're not techie geeks. We're like behavior geeks. We love to know why people do what they do and what why they say what they say. And that has just, you know, been a big driver in our research. You know, tell tell people about your your you know process and all your studies i mean you have this amazing you know cv that i'll you know i can read it to, to you know in just a second but give people this flavor about you know why you why you're so called to help people in this in this area of behavior thank you very much dan for the question i've always liked helping people help themselves and that burning desire has compelled me to know myself even better. So the, the journey is actually all about me finding myself. And in the process, I'm helping others through the authenticity of what I'm doing. That's basically the summary of why I do what I do. Great. Yeah, because eBay is a Harvard-trained leadership coach strategist, you know, Amazon best-selling author. He's a public speaker. I mean, you have been invited all over the place. You know, he presented the American Society for Quality in Orlando, Florida, the George Washington University in Washington, D.C., uh, University of uh, Ibadan in Nigeria, collaborated with international conferences, you know, in Amsterdam um, and in Holland, presented at the University of Ghana in, you know, 2016, the School of Sciences, you know, the international conference on the topic Fear the Invisible Determined. I mean, you have presented at the Arizona State University where you live, you know, in Arizona. He shared the stage with the mayor of 
Tempe, Arizona, Mark Mitchell, former Congressman Harry Mitchell during the Don Carlos Humanitarian Awards, even you know at Tempe Community College or Community Council. Uh, he's been invited guests at Arizona State Universities. I mean, you are, just are really all over the place. <laughs> you know, amazingly well prepared, even as a reviewer of the Association of Psychological uh, Science Student Caucus, the APSS. C, Student Research Award, uh, contributor to the Arizona Republic. And now, are you still working on your, um, after your master's degree in industrial organizational psychology, are you still working on your PhD? Yes. Actually, I have completed the uh, entire, uh, the the courses. I'm just on that dissertation mode right now, which is what they they call uh, ABD, which is all about dissertation. So I'm very excited I'm looking forward to graduate very soon. Well, and then what is your dissertation on? My dissertation is on uh, uh, employee retention uh, in the manufactured housing industry, which is mobile home. Uh, they tend to have a very high turnover in that field, in that industry. So I'm very curious to know why do people quit in that industry. And it's oh, very interesting, interesting what I'm well, because you even talk about in, if I'm not mistaken, you know, eBay has, uh, eBay has like three books already on Amazon, The Power of Engagement, Fear, and then the best-selling book is The Five Principles of Collaboration. And I remember that you talked about even like the cost of turnover, how many, you know, $4 billion of, of you know, employee stress and, and what that causes as, is it just absenteeism? Is it, um, uh, you know, stress and illness? I, I mean, it's amazing how the lack of, uh, let's say, stress management skills or the lack of behavior uh, really is costing I mean, not just costing the health of employees, but costing even the companies in in the lack of uh, uh, in the lack of their presence, you know, cost production and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's a really interesting topic. Let's give people some great takeaways. Um, what what would you suggest if someone is dissatisfied in their job? How do they how do they change their behavior, or how do they reach success, even if they're if they don't like what they like what they're doing? That, that, that's a very, a very good question. One thing I have realized in this journey uh, called life, because life is a journey, is that uh, from research, I understand that 95% of the population has no definite of purpose in life. Hmm. So out of that 5% that has definite of purpose, only 1% achieve that purpose. So that will take us back to the question. I think the best thing to do is to spend more time to understand yourself. Because research has showed over and over again, people try to run away from their thoughts. Okay? And a recent study from Harvard uh, suggested that 67% of men do not like to spend, to, uh, spend time alone with their thoughts, as opposed to 25% of women. So what does that tell us? People do not like to sit down and analyze and use what uh, scientists call metacognition, you know, thinking about your own thinking. And I'm saying that to say that if people can spend more time entertaining their thoughts, it is likely that they will apply what, again, psychologists call desire thinking, 
you know, desire thinking is you see life through the lens of optimism as opposed to pessimism. So the first place to start is yourself. For example, if you're not happy in the workplace, you apply what is called metacognition, which means thinking about your own thought. Ask yourself, why am I not happy? If you can answer that question, let's assume you say, I'm not happy because my boss doesn't like me. And then you ask yourself again, how come my, my boss don't like me? Well, he don't like me because of he want me to work longer hours. Well, how come he don't want me, how come he want me to work longer hours? He want me to work longer hours. So you keep asking that question, you realize that at the end of that question, it comes back to you as a person, not the other person. So to answer your question, I think the first thing that we need to do, which what I spend most of my time doing in research, is what uh, Albert uh, Bandura, social psychologist Albert Bandura, called self-efficacy. You know, the journey of knowing yourself. So instead of putting the heat on the other person, put it on yourself, ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? And if you start that question from that position of power, you realize that actually if you can fix yourself, you can fix your environment. And yeah, it's actually... Dispenza, yeah. Do, Dr. Yeah, Joe Spencer Dis once said that, uh, you know, we've heard about knowledge is power, but he actually said knowledge of self is self-empowerment. Yeah, that's so, great. That's one, of the, that's one of those writer-downer kind of phrases, you know? That know, know yourself. Well, even I know that you love even Greek philosophy and, you know, the, the chapter that you have in the book Journey to Success, Volume 2 is success, you know, the uh, about the, the Socrates, you know, the Socratic hope for um, uh, in our lives. And, you know, Socrates was all about asking questions and his main, you know, driving, let's say, quote or phrase was, I really don't teach people anything, but I help them reflect. I help them ask themselves questions. And I think, you know, that is just an amazing help to, to modern day people who are overly committed. They're too busy. And if they're not too busy, they're distracting themselves on social media. You know, how, how do you, how can you, because uh, you've really got the, the research behind, you know, why are people um, falling into this trap of not wanting to know who they are? <laughs> That's a very good question. The answer in a very simple word, uh, word is fear. Fear of knowing hmm. themselves. Because we are very much, we don't want to, we don't want to go through the process to actually know who we are. It's a very scary uh, uh, journey. And that's what uh, Carl Jung, you know, call it uh, the shadow effect. People don't, do not want to touch, they don't, they don't want to go inside of themselves to find out, you know, who they are. And that's why I wrote the book called Fear, A Healthy Emotion If Well Managed. And that was what I presented actually at the University of uh, Ghana International Conference. And it was amazing how much research out there that support the idea that fear is a healthy emotion, very, very healthy emotion if well managed. So the reason why people do not like to 
allow themselves to be is because they are afraid of their success, not so much about their failures. They are afraid <laughs> that they might leave out of their comfort zone and go to the, the place of unfamiliarity. Does that make sense, Dan? Oh, yeah. Well, even, you know, tying these into the laws of success of, of Napoleon Hill, because, you know, Journey to Success uh, Radio is, uh, is really all about connecting people to these fundamental principles of Napoleon Hill. And, you know, the definite of, uh, definiteness of purpose was one of those primary ones. And you mentioned that before. People need to have a reason to, you know, everything, to wake up in the morning. Or you're, you're a father, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I've got four kids and I know that, you know, you have children too. You know, even the idea of purpose. Think about a small child. You know, if you're trying to convince a child why they need to learn to brush their teeth, you know, they, they always need to know the why. Children and, and all human beings are curious. Tell me the why and that will either motivate me or, you know, tell me the why, and then maybe I don't agree and I don't do it. Or we can have, a, you, know, a, uh, you know, a conversation about the why it's important. But the majority of people are really motivated the most when they have that internal intrinsic motivation because they find their reason to be. I mean, it sounds pretty as existential. You know, it's pretty, it's pretty big, but it is such an important thing. And then taking the initiative and taking action and having, you know, good, good, healthy habits. What are, what are some of your success habits? Well, well the most important one for me is uh, self-awareness. Self-awareness is uh, understanding why I do what I do and understanding why I have the answers that I'm, I'm receiving. So spending more time asking myself questions is one of the, the, the greatest gifts I guess I have, I have given to myself. Uh, instead of you know, putting the energy out there, blaming somebody else for my way of life, I have... I went. I have this thing called a self-talk, you know, where <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, where you actually go in there and find out why you do what you do. And again, it has helped me. Uh, the Napoleon Hill's uh, principles, the definite of purpose, is what actually got me back on track, if I may say that. Because what what happened was before I used to bounce all over the place, you know, working two or three jobs. And uh, because I didn't have no purpose, I was just saying, okay, if I can work hard and save money and do this, do that, do that, I never sat down and asked myself, why am I doing this? What actual, where exactly am I trying to reach? So the moment I defined that, uh, the purpose of why I'm here and what I needed to do, that was the beginning of my success. So it goes back to my self-awareness, which is also called self-efficacy. Is what yeah. I'm, I'm enough, you know, preaching for people to study to understand themselves before you start blaming others for your misfortunes. I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, man. oh of course. I think that's a really big step. Personal responsibility and understanding that it really is uh, everything is inside of you, and you have this this. It's often an erroneous perception of any situation because you're just subjectively looking at it through the lenses of, you know, your fears or the lenses of your past and things that have happened before. 
And asking yourself the questions can give you the clarity to then, you know, get out of an unhappy situation or, or, or even just to change perception, change perception. You know, people, uh, it's the same thing as, you know, Einstein, you can't solve a problem if you're always thinking about it in the same way. And, and I think, you know, getting that, that accuracy and even opening up to more creativity to solve problems. Sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm really big on um, helping, you know, helping people access more creativity instead of just being in the rut of the routine of the day and running around, you know, getting creative with, with what, they, what they really desire to do and not just looking outside of them, but like you said, you know, going inside and really asking, what is it that I want to do with my life? Those are fundamental questions. And sometimes I think, how, how is it that, where, where, did, where did philosophy that was so important back, you know, thousands of years ago, where did that really get lost? I guess maybe in the dark ages, and that's why it's called the dark ages. <laughs> but are you, are you also a big history fan? Do you love history? Yes, I do. I do. Uh, when it comes to uh, learning, I think I think it was Albert Einstein who uh, who said that uh, whenever you stop you stop learning you start dying basically. So I am I'm a yeah. student of time learning. So whenever you say okay I've I've known enough, this is it. That was that's the day that you have declared your own death because you're gonna be you're gonna live in a in a cocoon where nothing else matters to you. So you start to die silently. So all I'm saying is. I am a lifetime learner. Yes. Yeah, you and me it. both. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, and do you uh, do you feel that we, would you like to stay in the academic world or with your because you know your your company is called the um, Focused Vision Consulting. So, would you are you going to stay more as a consultant, management consulting? Or do you feel that you'll even stay in an academic environment? Uh, my answer will be both, because what I have re- what I have realized is uh, when you stay in an academic environment too long, uh, you, en- you ended up uh, theorizing the you know the experiences as opposed to you know practicalizing it or apply you know put it into practice. So, uh, you know, recent trend right now in, in industrial and organizational psychology, what we are doing now is combining uh, research and, 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 the practice, uh, and practice together, which, which means what you teach in the classroom, you actually take it out there to apply it in, in people's lives. So to answer your question, I think combining both of them, combining, you know, science or combining research and practice is very critical for me. I cannot survive oh, yeah. in, one, in one, one area or the other. I have to have two of them going at the same time because I think <laughs> I do have that energy to do that. Yeah, that's great. Well, who has, been, who has been one of your role models in life? Hmm. I have a lot of them. But I think the, my foundational role model will be my father. Yeah. My my great philosopher. He, uh, he taught me one lesson that I still use on a daily basis. 
one of the uh, the informal education he gave me was one day he gave me a talk when I was um, I think between 13 and 15 years of age. Uh, he told me that in a man's life or, or in an individual's life, the most critical time of anybody's like his life is between the ages of 18 and 40 years old. And he said that 21, that 22 years gap is where people either commit atrocities, end up in jail, or they will make discovery. So if you, if you think about it, though, if we read the history, if we go back in history, most of these great men and women that we know, they reach their breakthroughs within that 22 window between the ages of 18 and you know 40 years of age. And he said, if I can manage that window in my life, it is possible, it's likely that I will survive it. And if you think mm-hmm. about it, Dr. Martin Luther King achieved, you know, again, his PhD at the age of 26. And then, of course, he was, he was assassinated at the age of 39. So that tells wow. me a lot of, that confirmed what my, my dad told me, you know, many years ago. So my greatest influence in life is my dad. Because he gave and now, what are, what, what are your origins? Uh, I'm from Africa. But I've realized that when people ask, before I used to be, yeah, you know, answer that question with dignity. But I realized that when we start putting people in their class, or people, putting people according to their countries, uh, it minimizes the potential of that person. Because what they usually do, people will ask me, then they will start asking you a question that has to do with, uh, you know, the deformities of that country, if that, if that makes sense, Diane. Yeah, well, I usually love uh, being that, you know, I'm American-born, and when I graduated from college, I moved to Europe. So I've lived in Germany, and I've lived really, I guess it's been over 28 years now living in Italy. And I love culture. And I love really when cultures mix and blend. And I love multicultured societies where you can really uh, enjoy the best that each person brings. And it could be in folklore. It could be, you know, the just like, you know, your father's wisdom. Because wisdom that's passed on from generations and generations is often different in one country than it is in another, based on, you know, the value system, based on even the the, the economic status. If a country is more in a survival mode, then the the philosophy will will be on getting out of survival mode, right? And if it's more of a pioneering uh, country, or if it's more like here in Italy, there's just a lot of beauty, there's a lot of culture, there's a lot of, uh, of, of depth, of roots. And I, I, love, I love to, to hear how people, you know, because you and I are, uh, also have in common that we're immigrants, that we don't live in the country, we don't live in the country where we were born, and we don't we don't work in the country where we were born, and so for you know maybe even the listeners, uh, this is a, a comment that my my children make. My children say that when they're in Italy, because they were all four born in Italy, when they're in Italy, they feel American, and when they're in America, 
they feel Italian because when, when you are, yeah, when you're, you're, I would say, I would say an immigrant, I don't know if this is the same for you. We're never, we're never, we're never ever really at home because we have these cultural roots from different places that we feel somehow we always feel a little bit different than the people that we're with. Does yep. that make sense? That is, that is, that is absolutely that is correct. Absolutely correct. I'm, I'm glad that I'm you are talking about that. Can, can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I'm glad you touched on that area. Actually, there was I have there was a time I think a couple of years ago, one of my favorite uh, artists. I'm sure I'm sure you are you know him very well. It's called and, uh, uh, Andrea Bucciali. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he came to America one time and he he performed at the U.S. Uh, center here. And while he was performing, I was just thinking how this man was born blind and. He went to the, he went to law school and studied law, but he found his grace and calling in music. Now music has has taken him all over the world, and somebody like him, I was just thinking, you can't call An- uh, Andrea Bucciali. Uh, uh, he's an Italian, but that guy is a citizen of the world. He is. You can, you can tell the way he performs on stage. He's so free. So the reason why I'm saying that is. People that travel all over the world and you, you mix with other cultures, that's the most beautiful thing life can ever give. Because you think globally. You basically, yes. somebody wants me, do you, do you think in African dialect or do you think in, a, in, a, in, a, in American dialect or, or uh, in American or English? So that was a good question. I said, wow. And that led me to start doing a research on it. And I realized, I found out that people that speak more than one language, they are, number one, they are slow to anger. And they are more, they are more compassionate. In other words, they are more humanitarian. Well, do you, is that... I'm sorry? Yeah, I was going to say, is that because of the creativity in the right brain is more developed? Yes, there you go. So... It's a blessing that I, I found myself in this space called life. And I, I'm able to apply to travel extensively to experience that human construct is one all over the world. Whether you are in Oakland, New Zealand, or you are in Oakland in California, human <laughs> need is the same all over the world. And it, it, it brings me back to the book I'm writing around called Think. One of the chapters is called Think Human. If you think human, it breaks down the barriers of who is who, who is from where. You see that person's soul. Does that make sense, Diane? Oh, yes, yes. I, 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 I think this is actually going to be uh, the really big sort of final shift, let's say, in if I take it in big language, sort of like human consciousness, that, you know, moving toward, you know, 2020, there will be, you know, there will be such a, a big part of the population, which are the millennials, and they have grown up with technology. They have tweeted and posted and connected with people worldwide already throughout pretty much 
you know, the, the, ma- the major part of their life. So I think the younger citizens of the world are already very global thinkers where, you know, my generation of, you know, let's say baby boomers over 50, we, you know, we were grown up and not every one of my age group has the opportunity to travel where, you know, often people don't have to get on an airplane to travel but they can travel as in these younger generations, you know, tweeting and having someone on the other side of the world read their message and they have conversations. I mean, I'm not talking about just the, the fun distraction of social media. I'm talking about, you know, the, the conversations that people that they have and, and even the idea of, you know, Airbnb or opening up, you know, the bed and breakfast kind of style, opening your, your sofa in your house just for, for an international guest to sleep on. Um, yeah, I, I think they are, they are so much more open to the cooperation and collaboration and living each human being as a human being, not as an identity of just the country they come from and all the stereotypes that are connected to that. Right. That's correct. Actually, you just, you just, uh, dropped a thought in my mind. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was coming back from Paris, back to us and I was sitting next to, uh, uh, you know, a younger lady, a young lady, as you said, in, uh, you know, the, the part of this uh, a millennium you were talking about. And our, our conversation ended up where we asked each other our faith, okay? And uh, it, it turned out that she was different from my faith. But I asked her a very, a very personal question. Is it possible that we hold on to our faith because that's where we were born and raised? It's not so much that we we understand it in its entirety. Is it possible that I'm holding on to mine because that's how that you know that's all I know. So that conversation actually ended up when she arrived in the U.S. He she emailed me and said, "You know what? I never thought about it from that angle. <laughs> I never thought about it from that angle." So we tend to hold on to our tradition as if it's the best, but in reality, we just seen it through the lenses. That we've always seen it. So this conversation, I hope, will open a floor or, or open a floor for somebody to, for people to realize that the way you want to see it might not be the way they are, which is what the psychiatrist uh, Dr. Carl Hammerschlag, one of the uh, our well-known psychiatrists here in Arizona, always said: the way you want to see it might not be the way they are. You just see it through your own lenses. Does that make sense, Dan? Oh, exactly. And we can only because I'm uh, I've studied neuroscience and uh, psychosomatic illnesses, and studying you know five years that process. We actually um, you know, help people unblock their psychosomatic illnesses, really in a very symbolic way with keywording and you know let's say reconnecting neurons. Let's put it that way. So I'm very familiar with the, with the the biological aspect of the human being, which is one of the very basic foundations is the brain, as in the brain, which is really our program as a human being. It contains our program. Your brain only knows yourself. So as mm-hmm. a consequence of that, then anything that anything that is an action of anyone else, your brain does not know that. So your brain is always a little bit in that animal brain of flight and fight because how the other person is 
is is different from what your brain tells you guarantees your survival. And, and you know, we know all of the, the tragedies in the world of, you know, xenophobia and being afraid of what is different. And it's really how the human being is programmed at the basic level. The brain only knows itself, as in your brain only knows you, my brain only knows me. And so it's only until we can, you know, count to six to get beyond that flight and fight reaction, then we can get into that higher consciousness. And like you're saying, the thinking human and observing people and saying, wow, isn't that interesting that they have a different opinion or that they do things differently than I do? And you really have to override the biological program that will have you be defensive or offensive and really open up, I guess, connect then maybe the heart to the brain <laughs> and start to really appreciate diversity instead of letting the, the, the instinct dominate and automatically going into fear and building, you know, walls and closing off the, the opportunity to understand the differences. And like you said, with the traveling, it's all about testing really how well you live with diversity you fly to another country, maybe you don't speak the language, the food is different, even the bathrooms are different, you know? <laughs> you know, I, I laugh about that because my son uh, went to a workshop, uh, he studies architecture and he went to a workshop in Japan and he said it's a very interesting experience in the Japanese restrooms. And anything about traveling, you know, tests your your ability to handle new, right? <laughs> Actually, I'm going to. Speaking of Japan, I'm living. I'm living here on the 25th of July uh, through the 29th of July to y Yokomaha, Japan, and that's my that that will be my first time going to Japan. So I'm really excited. I'm curious to see, you know, how. And and what are you what are you speaking What are you speaking on? Actually, it's an international uh, congress of psychology conference, and uh, I, I'm just going for for the conference. Super. So I'm not I'm not actually presenting, but I'm just I'm just going for the conference because of yeah. Well, those are great places. Yeah, those are great places to to connect other people and other universities and and like like all conferences. There's a lot of networking and exchanging exchanging ideas and and being invited then to other cool places to to you know gain knowledge and and even share share your research actually it's funny that the the, the president of association for psychological science uh, she's going there to to, to present and uh, coincidentally she's from arizona actually she's here in arizona so it's amazing how we connected in amsterdam the first time last two years when they had a uh, when we had a conference there, so that was how we connected. Ever since then, going back to what you said about the brain, I really I really like that, and I would like to take your attention or take the the audience attention, the listeners attention to what Dr. Sarah Lazar from Harvard University said about uh, you know neuroplasticity. I'm sure you are you are aware of that. Yeah. Uh, the way we think, the, whatever we focus our brain doing, our brain have the, that. It's, it's, uh, it's elastic, basically. Your brain has it, the capacity to, to change shape and build on whatever you spend so much energy or, or thinking. So you're absolutely right that, too, you know, we can change the way we think, basically. And you are the one that controls what goes in and out of your brain. Does that, does that make sense? 
Exactly. On a, on a conscious level, you really, you really, yeah, even because, you know, I've been in corporate training for 25 years. And one of the very first things that I will tell people is you have to think what you're thinking about, which means you sort of double feed it through. You're thinking a thought. Well, then think about the thought you're thinking and then ask yourself the question, is this beneficial or is it unbeneficial? Is it productive or unproductive? Is it self-sabotaging or self-supporting? And if it is on, let's say, the negative side, change it. You're exactly right. We have that that free choice and willpower to change our thoughts. Yep. Doctor, uh, I'm, I'm sorry I'm just quoting all over the place because that, that's my passion. <laughs> <laughs> that's my well, passion. We warned, we warned people at the beginning that we, we love behavior and, you know, be it the fear, be it the collaboration, be it, you know, the, or, you know, the, the internationality that we have, uh, you know, we're here just to, to, you know, to let people know that they're, uh, there's a, there's a way to be happier and there's a way to be more successful. There's a way to feel proud of yourself every day. And it starts with asking yourself those questions when you are unhappy What's making me unhappy? Why are you we blaming it on someone else? And go inside and spend quiet time. I mean, I have, um, and then I'll ask you, you can share that. You know, I have a morning ritual. I'm a very morning person. And there were periods even with, you know, four kids and, and you know, tiring days plus working. Uh, but I, I still promised myself that I would wake up at, you know, 5.30 or 6. And I really just sort of, walk around the house and get things in order, you know, put away the dishes that weren't put away or, you know, start a load of laundry. And I had this morning, this half an hour of just me and myself doing mundane tasks. But it's almost like, it's almost like a prayer because I do, I do the mundane things that I don't need to think about. But in that moment, I'm feeling gratitude. I'm feeling, you know, happy for my health. I'm, you know, feeling blessed for my children. And, and uh, it's time alone with me and me and no distractions. And, you know, I invite the listeners to, to find that time and not just to go over and over in their brain about, you know, like, say, the, the self-defeating thoughts, but really stay in that space of nurturing positive self-thoughts and, and, and gratitude thoughts about, you know, everything around you. And do you, do you have some kind of morning ritual or afternoon or evening ritual? Yes, I do. I do. Um, mine is, of course, I pray. You know, prayer, not necessarily going on your knees and do the ritual that we know, but I can walk around and have this self-talk or this internal dialogue that I do. And I always start to say in the morning that uh, today is the best day of my life because today <laughs> will never repeat it again. This is it. So what is it that I can do this day that will uh, improve other people's life, you know, life, you know, way of living? So I always use this uh, quote that says, uh, if you hear a voice within you say you cannot paint, by all means, paint, and that voice will be silent. And those, those yep. are the words of uh, Vincent, you know, Vincent, Va Vincent Va Van Gogh. I'm sure you are you are, you know you know this in Bangor work. Yes. So I walk around telling myself that this is the day 
Don't allow uh, destructive fear to take over you. Arise and shine. You know, spread your wings and do the best you can today. Because uh, I know from research that energy or willpower is limited, okay, according to research on a daily basis. So I will decide what am I going to put my energy today to do. Yeah, because energy is limited. Anyone that I, any, any time that I spend grumbling, that's a wasted time of my day. And wasted so, energy. Yes, wasted wa- energy. Yes. So in my book, my first book, The, the, uh, the Power of Engagement, I talked about the, the mysteries of gratitude. And there are five steps that I outlined the mysteries of gratitude, just waking up in the morning and say, I'm grateful. And uh, the five steps that I, I outlined was appreciate small victories. You know, just by waking up in the morning, it's a blessing. You didn't, plan, you didn't play any role to wake up in that morning, okay? And the second one is to be, you know, be, be grateful for others' successes. You know, appreciate other people's succeeding. And then just be grateful that you are alive. You know, be in the now. This is me now. There's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, literature out there that talked about presence. You know, being in the now. And, of course, appreciate your loved ones. You know, if you go through your life or through the day thinking about all this uh, desire thinking or positive psychology, it does help a lot. It does help a lot. So, my just going through my brain, all that I have studied, and say thank you for, thank you, God, for bringing me into this brand new day. That's just for me. And it has helped me do a lot of uh, positive uh, work in the world. Yeah, you, yeah, you sure have. <laughs> you sure have lots of positive work all over the world. That's great. Well, what's, what's the... Um, uh, now, I was going to say, what advice would you give to someone who's really who's really feeling stuck i mean would you tell them to you know go ahead and, and get these you know the book of uh, of engagement and go through the gratitude someone who's just really stuck what's that first that first thing like to 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 push them out of the put them push them out of the mud you know you can imagine someone like as a metaphor who's you know who's got their their heavy hiking boots and they just can't they're they're glued into that mud What's the first thing that they that they need to do to to get out? Hmm. That, that's a very good question. Well, for, first of all, uh, we have to admit where we are at the moment. I'll use myself for 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 example. If I'm saying that I have failed, because usually when you are when you feel down means that you, are, you have fell in something. You feel like you have fell in something, right? But I'm, right. Here, I'm here to say that life is blessed with failures. Like Dr. Uh, Dr. Tony Morrison said that failure is data. <laughs> failure is data, which means it's, it's an information that needs to be interpreted. So you have to admit that, okay, this is the area I'm not doing well, first of all. And the beauty of failure is that it opens other doors. It gives you that gift of promise, if you can see from that angle. So admit where you are first. 
And after you admit it, then you ask yourself, now what? I wrote an article called Now What? And I received a lot of attention from that, from that <laughs> article. I wrote another one called What's Next? Life is full of what's next. So first of all, admit where you're at. And then you ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? I've noticed that I always take the question back to that person, back to myself. Why am I feeling this way? If you answer that question, you will, it will take you to the next level. And I, you have to believe that the failure is universal. If somebody in Italy is feeling that he has failed in something, it is possible somebody in Mesa, Arizona is having the same feeling, which what uh, psychologists also call it, uh, you know, pervasiveness, explanatory style, which means you don't think your, your problem is not just made for you. It is a universal problem, which means what I'm going through, somebody else is going through it. And the moment you embrace it from that angle, it will allow you to think broadly as opposed to thinking, why me, poor me? Because people tend to personalize their problem as opposed to using this pervasiveness style to say, okay, if I'm going through this, I'm sure there's somebody out there that can help me get through this. And these books that we have published, including the one that is just coming out, the Journey to Success book two, we have a lot of information there that you can use to help yourself. And uh, my book, The Power of Engagement, will actually help in the process because the way you engage yourself internally is determined how you, how you uh, express yourself outwardly. So if I want to know what you're thinking, I just watch what you are doing. What you are doing is a measurement of what you are thinking. Exactly. So we have to embrace it and understand where we are now, and then we take it from there. I don't know if that makes sense to you, Diana. Yeah, that's, that, is, that is actually perfect because uh, the idea is that, that people are actually sort of in denial. When you said the very first step is really accept where you are right now. And I find there's this big thing of denial. No, no, no. You know, you'll ask someone, how are you? And they're like, oh, fine. And, uh, you know, I, I do that because even with my coaching clients, I always have them fill out a questionnaire about their challenges and desires. And, you know, on maybe social media, they have this super smiley face and everything is fine. And when they get down to the nitty gritty of a questionnaire, you know, happiness from rating it from one to 10, they're only like five. And I'm mm. like, geez, isn't, isn't that a big contrast with how you show up in the social world, but then finally admitting to yourself that your happiness is only five. And then taking the step to get coaching because you realize that that's not enough. Happiness only five or halfway there, even seven out of 10 is not enough when you really can find that space of happiness when you know yourself, when you've got that self-observation and, you know, the gratitude. I'm, you know, really into gratitude. and I, I feel very blessed all, all the time. I think that's sort of a, a prime energy source for me. And I think that's great. The idea of really understanding where am I right now and do I want to do something about it? You know, because because there are a lot of people even, you know, in um, in 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 coaching 
that they will admit to being dissatisfied in their marriage or dissatisfied in their job. But then to take that step to improve it, they're, they're not ready. They realize they're there, but they're so stuck or what they know is that unhappiness and they sort of prefer to keep it because they don't know what, what happiness could change for them in their life, right? That's, that's, that's absolutely correct. And that's why we, I think we've touched on it that people, uh, we love the familiar, we love tradition, we love, we love routine. And when once you get in that in that uh, lifestyle of uh, being in the same uh, space all the time, it tends to be your world. So if you are familiar, if you are used to being sad all the time, or you are used to being five, for example, in your happiness rating, all of a sudden you think that that's the best you can offer to yourself. But unfortunately, you're actually shortchanging yourself. You are robbing yourself the worth of happiness and joy that this world can bring. And you and I can agree that just by living in a different culture have, has given you that, uh, that window to see that there are other people. I think I watched one of your videos, uh, Diana. You, you, you talked about how in America we are so caught up in work, 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 as opposed to in Europe. Tim, it seems like they, are, you know, they have more quality of life when it comes to enjoying, taking time to enjoy the day. And those are the things that we don't even know unless if you travel or if you read or if you ask questions. Where you are is only just this, the, 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 the sneak peek of what you, where you could become or what you could become. So getting off out of your comfort zone and do something out of ordinary. Enjoy life. I think that's the, the, the most gift you can give to yourself. Yeah, well, and ask yourself, what really brings me joy? And I, I don't believe, because, you know, I've coached some, some, some very, you know, some very important people, uh, you know, here in Europe. And they're, it, it's funny because, you know, they, they're families that have wealth for like 1,000 years they've been wealthy. And I mean, you know, that, that for me is just, that's a lot of years. You know, those are old, old families. And so they're pretty much families that have, you know, on a, on an economic basis and even on a material basis, they have lots of houses, they have the yacht, they have the jewels, they have the, they have, and they come to me for coaching because they realize that getting all that stuff outside of them, uh, isn't true fulfillment. And what they're looking for at a certain point in their life is that something from inside of them mm. comes out and actually that, that bringing out that, that more that they can be from the inside is actually what fulfills them more than another car, another house, another, you know, watch or whatever. And I think that, I think that's beautiful. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, if you don't have, then you're probably still looking at the people that have and, you know, either there's a little bit of envy or, oh, I wish I had. But real fulfillment. I mean, I think one of the people that I know that is probably one of the happiest, most joyful people is a woman who used to help me iron when my children were small and she would come and just do my ironing for three hours a week and she came from a family of, you know, 13 siblings. 
and I, maybe she, maybe she finished the fifth grade. So, you know, but the, the simplicity of her philosophy of life and her willingness to always give, I mean, she came every week, she would bake a cake for my kids and, you know, she was not in an economic situation that was very, you know, prosperous, but, but she was always so innerly, innerly joyful and happy and radiant having so little but feeling so rich because of of that that just 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 a beautiful soul and always willing from the inside of her to give toward the others and that that's one thing i would add you know i think when a lot of people are down depressed sad blocked in certain situations when you start to give to other people mm-hmm is when you get out of your own, you know, recycling negative thoughts and you really, you get in a different energy, you get in a whole different state of being because you realize this, you know, how we started the conversation, this interconnectedness of everyone. And all of a sudden you become part of, uh, part of uh, a contributing uh, to the greater, the greater good. And, uh, and it's not about just give me, give me to be happy, but it's really making, making things come from you. That's a, it's a big shift. And I, I've seen some, you know, depressed people really step out of depression because they started to give, you know. I, I totally give agree. There was, a, there was a book I read some, some time ago called uh, Peace of Mind by uh, a, a Jewish rabbi, Joshua you know, Liebman. One of the chapters that he discussed there, he called it uh, Love Thyself Properly. <laughs> love Thyself mm. Properly. Yeah. Because it's very difficult for you to give if you don't feel full. It's very, very difficult. You have to love yourself properly first. Yes. And it goes back to what uh, I've read one time about the three dimensions of life. The three dimensions of life. The first one is the length of life, which is knowing thyself. And the second one is the breadth of life, loving your neighbors or loving others. And the third one is the height of life, connecting to the higher power, whatever that your higher power is, you connect to it. When, when these three dimensions come together, you will be a complete person. So we need, to, uh, we need to understand that in order for us to be whole, we have to connect to something higher than us. And we have to, be, you know, first of all, make peace with ourselves before you can actually give peace to others. And when you give peace to others, I think this world will be a better place, Diana. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Wow. Well, do you have any final comments? That was, that was actually a beautiful way to, to, to end this, this, this chit chat that we had, that was really beautiful. Cause I, you know, I have the same feeling we really striving. If everyone strives, when everyone strives to make this world a better place in the small, tiny things, it could be, you know, the woman who just helped me iron or, you know, helping a neighbor walk their dog. It, it doesn't have these have to be these big mother Teresa Gandhi kind of, you know, things, it's in the small little things that we do every day in those actions that, that help the people, like you said, you know, the, the breath, helping, helping your neighbors. 
Yeah, beautiful. Any final comments or even remind people where they can where they can reach out to you, your website or telephone number or find you on social media? Yes. One thing I will also add there is uh, from uh, Dr. Maya Angelou, who once said that uh, be a rainbow in someone else's cloud. <laughs> be beautiful. In someone else's cloud. And... Spend some time knowing yourself. When you know yourself, you realize that you are a universe. You are a nation of your own self. You are an institution of your own self. Don't worry about what others are saying so much about that. Spend some time to understand what makes you thick, what makes you who you are. And the moment you are comfortable with who you are, trust me, you will radiate. People will run to you. And to get more information, let me not get too carried away here. To get more information about dating, <laughs> you can reach me at uh, f like Frank, v like Victor, growth.com. Or you can also reach me at uh, the power of engagement at att.net. Or you can go to Amazon and just type in my last name and you will get my books. Yeah, good. They are very good. They're good reads. Yeah, your last name is spelled A-G-B-A-N-Y-I-M. And yeah, you, you're, you're a powerhouse. This, this was, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a very pleasure, big, big pleasure for me to, you know, have the opportunity to interview and talk to you today. And this is the Journey of Success Radio. Thanks again for being here with us and have a great day. Thank you so much, Diana. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email tom at tomtutall.com for details.